Hey, it's Aidan here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about something new. It's called the Magician's Business Group. We've just opened up a Facebook group designed to help you guys as entertainers grow and improve your entertainment business. So if that is you, if you are an entertainer that wants help growing and improving your entertainment business, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you right there. Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magician's Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Successful Mentalist podcast. My name is Ashley Green and as usual, I'm joined with my good friend and co-host Aidan O'Sullivan. How are you doing today? I also love that every time you introduce me now, you're getting more and more excited until I, I can see it in like a couple of months time that you're just going to be excited, like proper screaming. Oh yeah. Uh, wait, wait till episode 100. I'm just going to be like, yeah, midway through. We need to do it like a massive party for episode 100. Oh, Why episode not? 100. I still can't believe we're um, we're actually this far through. Like, it's insane. Absolutely insane how many episodes we've done uh, now. And as always, we do have a special guest lined up today. And I'm going to be honest, I'd never heard of this person before. Which, going by the other guests we've had on, we've had some pretty big names. This guy is also a pretty big name. It's just, I uh, obviously live in a cave. But it turns out the guy is an absolute genius. He has an incredible sleight of hand. He's fooled multiple magicians. He's worked with, well, I can't say who he's worked with, but he's just an absolute genius. And the deeper thinking behind the tricks is insane. Yeah, honestly. Now, I've not known Andrew for that long, but... Um... And you guys probably, some of you may have seen or heard of him on Instagram as slightly obsessed, as in sleight of hand, S-L-E-I-J. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, he's absolutely incredible. I've, I've known him for a little while. And this conversation took a really interesting turn. I mean, Andy's a, a, a magician, so he's not a mentalist. He's dabbled in mentalism and does a little bit of mentalism here and there. But he's not a full-time mentalist, which, again, you're probably thinking, well, why are we getting a sleight of hand card magician to come on a mentalist podcast? Believe us when when we say that this episode is not just full of concrete gold on character performances. What really is magic? We actually go quite a lot into the philosophy and like actually looking deeper into magic, which whether or not you like that, you will definitely get something out of this. Um, this is an interesting episode because it's so different to all of our others so far. Um, but we know that you're going to love it. So without holding off for any longer and without waffling on, it's none other than Andrew Frost. For everyone listening or watching on YouTube, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do? Sure. Um, so I am a uh, magician, I guess, kind of more in magic than mentalism. But I do a bit of mentalism. And uh, people probably would most know me within the magic community for my Instagram, which I go under the name Slightly Obsessed, but spelled S-L-E-I-G-H-T. So it's a pun because, as we all know, magicians really love a pun. Um, so, <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, so, so, so Slightly Obsessed is, is kind of what I do. But <clears throat> in the real world, I kind of do close-up magic. But on Instagram, it's very much like kind of slight, heavy, technical uh, card magic. 
I mean, it's literally insane. I've seen so many of your your videos and things, and every single time, every time you put yeah, something out, you're incredibly out, like, kind when you. Uh, uh, you say that, but genuinely, look at watching your work. It's just like insane. Uh, yeah. So again, highly recommend people people check out your stuff. In this kind of episode, this interview, whatever this is, uh, we kind of just wanted to pick your brains and just uh, hear a little bit about sort of your thoughts and i think one of the things that we'd love to hear because obviously as you said that you're you're a magician that's not um you're not a mentalist but you've dabbled in that sort of area and you do a little bit in that sort of area which is a really interesting perspective to have um for a lot of ways actually um so it'd be really great to sort of hear what don't you like about mentalism what is there anything that you don't like or is there a reason that maybe you're staying to the to magic rather than making a full jump or yeah it's it's kind of a hard one um I absolutely love watching mentalism and I absolutely like, I really enjoy kind of like mentalism as a whole. I think it's just personal preference. Like what I love doing is just sitting around and fiddling with cards. And then that's suddenly turned into a career is I've had no direction with this. I literally just sat down with a deck of cards when I was like 19 and then just started fiddling. And then now I'm suddenly, you know, kind of like nearly 10 years later, still still doing it and seem to have a career out of it. So I think it's the medium in, in which I started, um, obviously, has a huge impact on on the way. And, and obviously, I don't know, like mentalism with cards, unless it's surrounded by other mentalism pieces, I think comes across kind of like less than mentalism as a whole. So I guess I guess those two things. I, yeah, like I said, I love watching it. And it's, it's almost the most authentic that magic can be and i love the idea of it playing kind of in a real space like the idea of uh, talking about things like psychology and talking about uh, various aspects which which kind of root, root an, an effect in reality as opposed to having to force your spectators to suspend their disbelief so there are aspects in which i've definitely applied to my own work from the mentalism world but yeah i think it's just the medium in which i work more often yeah i like that and you mentioned as well playing cards obviously this is a huge debate and one that we've we've covered on the podcast obviously they've got their place in mentalism but mm. it's interesting to hear that doing too much of it can detract is it because you feel it looks too much like a magic performance and because the audience is, is associated or associates playing cards to magic my opinion now and it's forever shifting so i mean you know mm. don't hold me to this but i think my opinion at this point in time is that I'm, I'm purely focused on the effect for the audience. So if you do seven or eight card tricks in a row that are all with a mentalism theme or, or things like that, eventually it gets to the point, I think in the spectator's mind, whether it be in that moment or the car ride home or waking up the next day. And this is a, by the way, this is, is not a unique thought and I'll tell you where I, where I, I kind of get this from. But eventually they just go, if he's professing to read somebody's mind, why isn't he just reading somebody's mind? Why does he have to use the medium of cards? And I think that that is a very logical step for most people. I don't think that that's necessarily, you know, all audiences, but I, I do think that that might possibly be the majority of audiences. An interesting point. It's something that I've played around with a lot myself. I'm actually rewriting all of my stage material and my close-up material at the minute. I'm just, I've literally put everything in the bin temporarily and I'm rewriting. <laughs> Literally one of the things that I used to do close up all the time, just because it was easy and it kind of got me into groups is that I would walk up to a group with a deck of cards because somebody mm -hmm. would then see me and think, oh, magician, come on in. And then I can just do one card reveal, like either a force peak, they're like the, 
method is irrelevant but i'd i'd reveal a thought of card or maybe two thought of cards and then instantly jump into to some other stuff so i'd yeah. actually use it as an in but like you were saying like it seems to be that people still associate that with magic i mean albeit i was using that as a as my lead in but it just it's something about I, it am i allowed to ask questions back to you yeah <laughs> go for it sure. yeah, not, do you, do you think that you did the lead-in in that way because of the ease of transition from going, like people just go, that's a magic thing, and then I can just very easily transition out of it. So it's like more you don't have to do much work to explain what you do, or is it, or was it because you felt maybe like insecure that you couldn't immediately go into mentalism, or was it to overcome any kind of barrier? I mean, obviously, I jumped from magic into mentalism, so I'd done card tricks and sleight of hand, so the cards were never really an issue in my mind. They were they were always there. I'd have them in my pocket at every gig and every everywhere I'd go, I'd have a deck with me, and I kind of thought, well, people are seeing the cards and then seeing me. It was kind of like they were looking at my hands as I was doing something and then they would see me and bring me in so i kind of used that as the sort of yeah as the intention so i thought well i may as well capitalize on that and just yeah, use it as a yeah. way in but yeah that's such a good idea i mean it was like it's amazing the difference between like people just immediately are like right you come out like if, if you're holding a deck of cards they immediately are like point to you and then bring you to your group whereas if you're holding a clipboard and a pen that yeah. probably <laughs> <laughs> they're actually giggling there because that's something he does well <laughs> i yeah i am um, well my performance is a, is a little creepier um but i end up looking like a creep to start off with and people don't want me over to them but i force myself upon them and then and then go into this weird stuff but that's a that's a whole different like the opposite end of the spectrum for agent yeah yeah but that's but that's like a yeah again that kind of ties into kind of your performance style doesn't it and yeah. especially if if you want to create that atmosphere that's just such a such a perfect way to go i guess kind of obviously that's more like dan sperry then like uh, the, the creepiness aspect yeah a little bit from there it's kind of like creepy socially awkward psychic that's the that's the sort of vibe when i perform whereas aiden is the more upmarket well i'd say i'll mark it upbeat both of them um kind of psychological performer um, gotcha. So two complete opposites, which is why we're doing a tour together, which is a fun thing. Seeing as we're on the topic of approaching people, mm. there are people watching this podcast and it, it ranges literally all the way up to experienced pros, uh, all the way down to people who have just got into it and are wondering how to like approach tables or approach people when they perform. And it's not just the UK we've got viewers, it's literally, I think, 33, 34 countries we're in now. So people all around the world. What would be your advice to them when approaching a table? Do you think it's good to go in with a card trick, something else, or even any anything else, or just things to say? What, what's your advice there? I think um, my advice is on this has kind of conflicts against what the majority of people need in that moment so it obviously will depend on the context if you're given 20 tables and you need to do them in an hour you just have to kind of go up and be that and be a professional interrupter right you have to just go up to the table interrupt people's conversations and just get in with your strongest material first and then just get their attention and then just move through it however the gigs that i got when i was performing more regularly i had time to introduce myself before I did any magic. 
So my thing that I always tried to do was to be a human first and then become a magician. So the idea was to go up to a table, introduce myself and ask why they were at the party. And suddenly, you, you know, you're in a, into a conversation asking all about them. And then eventually that gets flipped on you. Oh, so why are you here? And then you get to go, oh, well, I'm a magician. I've been hired as the entertainment. And then immediately that's a different thing. That's not, oh, I don't know you. You've immediately won them over. And therefore, like, you can just, you can just, like, perform magic and they're already on your side. You're not interrupting them. You're not having those kinds of awkward conversations. But again, it's completely dependent on context because if, if, I'm, if I'm given, you know, like I said, 20 tables and I've got to do them in an hour, you cannot take that approach. You just can't. You can't sit there and talk to anybody for any length of time. I got to a point where I could choose the gigs that I took. So I would, yeah. I would take the ones where that was more um, appropriate. I love that. I love, I love that. that. I love that as an approach. I think it's one of those situations that alongside the the setting, the, the 20 tables in an hour versus a little bit more relaxed there, I think probably say that that also jumps in on the performer as well. If the performer's maybe better at just powerhousing through material, again, that's that's just another something to think about. I kind of want to just jump in. It's a little bit, imagine like we're going through a full process at a gig. So we've, we've got these tables, if you like, to, to go and perform for. Like, what's your process and what's your sort of thinking behind actually performing for them again you don't need to discuss specific material if you don't want to but like what sort of stuff do you do and how do, how do you come about creating that set if you like so i'm i kind of come from a very difficult position because I, I i haven't performed since kind of like maybe 2019 the summer of 2019 mm. maybe the end of 2019 so I, I really haven't done a huge amount of performing in the last year and my philosophy and approach to magic has changed dramatically within that time so my approach now would be very different to the way i used to approach it the way i used to approach it um, which would be much more commercial, is what can I just do with a deck of cards that's going to get me through seven minutes at a table? And normally that means like I would just have three, four really strong effects and I, I wouldn't rely too much on presentational angles or anything like that. It would literally just be, right, okay, I just want to, you know, kick them in the face yeah. with four really strong effects and then that's it. Nowadays, again, that effect first still remains, but... I kind of want, to, want people to come and see me. I don't want to be that professional interrupter. So um, Aiden, I know you do shows. So it's, it's that kind of thing that I want to be doing, whether that be parlor or, or whatever. I want people who have chosen to invest time in magic. I don't want necessarily them to know who I am, but just invest time and know that they're wanting to come and see magic. Magic isn't just a surprise thing. I'll probably end up inevitably doing the close-up gigs where you're a professional interrupter but for the meantime that's my kind of my sole focus and so obviously it's, it's kind of a very different approach I, I love that advice as well which is getting people to know you and it was one when i when i started performing at my residency um down at the magic bar the owner there said that it was like people come to see the entertainment but it's nice if you can get them to know you because not only do they then enjoy what you're doing but they're going to want to come back because they're friends with you they they feel like they've established a new connection and i think that just pays dividends when you then try and convert those people and try and get gigs out of them try and flog them show tickets i, I personally feel like they're more likely to go forward with a transaction like that because they know you as a nice guy and they know you as a nice person they also there's nothing better than being asked over to a group when somebody says your name 
Like that yeah. for me, was, that was huge. Because the difference between saying like, hey, magic man or magic boy, come over to the table. <laughs> the difference between, hey, Andrew, would you mind coming in? Like there's, there's just a massive difference between that interaction and they'll introduce you by your name. This is Andrew and uh, you'll be introduced to the group in that way. And that just is, I mean, on a personal level, I think more than a professional level, that kind of allowed me to survive through gigs because I found the whole experience of that uh, kind of, you know, your standard close-up gig quite difficult from an artistic standpoint, I guess, in that like you just, you're there as kind of a secondary thought. And so adding the impersonal nature on top of that, it just gets you down or it got me down. Some people can live with that kind of like lack of identity. But then when you, when, when I was being introduced as Andrew or um, it just, it just, it, it, there's such a much more personal impact that that has. I mean, I completely agree. It's one of those situations that, again, I completely resonate with your thoughts there. And again, it's something that I've actually sort of neglected. I mean, people have said, like, actually go in and, and be human. And that's the most important part. I think I read it in um, Maximum Entertainment, like, convey your humanity as, as the key point and i was i seem to be finding as many other different ways of trying to do that than actually just going forward and being a normal person like yeah it, it just, just seemed to jar i don't know but it's, do you not again, think that it's difficult to do that because the normally the character of the magician has to be an infallible person like it's very difficult to show fragility as a close-up magician so it's very hard to kind of like show your personality uh, in that respect, like I, or at least I found it very hard when you're meant to be doing all of these amazing things to then show either any sign of vulnerability or anything like that at all. It's so tough. I mean, I I would argue that the majority of close-up magic in terms of gigs and stuff, like from a gig perspective, if you like, I think a lot of close-up magic is actually bad for magic as a as a whole because it takes, as you said, it takes this huge like thing that magic should be insane right it should be something absolutely phenomenal it should, it's it's like more of an emotion than it is a thing but over the years it's been crammed into to to being tricks and then being crammed as a secondary entertainment and now mm. it's kind of it's kind of it loses that edge because you don't get to build that that magic or you don't get to build that character or you don't get to build the, the the emotion that that magic kind of is so i say that but like I've seen and I felt like close-up magic performed for me that has literally blown me out of the water. But again, mm. I would still argue that most of that has come from a casual setting rather than a a, yeah. a gig setting. So I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what the point that I was making there was. Like <laughs> close-up close-up gigs are bad. Like, I don't really I don't really know. But I think I, I think, think it's tough. I think it's really really tough. Some people, I'm sure, there are people in the world. I bet Etienne Pradier has none of these concerns like i mean you know, he he just goes into a room and chaos ensues david williamson all of these people who you kind of imagine in a close-up setting can just like you know they make it their own they it's not that i think particularly in the uk you're dealing with a uh probably a more skeptical audience than you would be in other countries i don't know if that's necessarily true that's been my experience looking at kind of like america versus the uk in terms of uh, yeah, skepticism within the audience. Um, I also think that people are more polite, so are more fearful to react. So I think I understand why, you know, restaurant magicians in the US have like a fun time doing restaurant gigs. Whereas in the UK, everybody's immediately kind of got their arms crossed and sitting yeah. back and like just don't, 
And there's that initial thing of not wanting to be fooled. So the way that I tried to get around that, I was never particularly successful, but one of the ways that I tried to get around that was just a tiny script at the start that you can just say that just is to get over that initial hump of like, ah, this guy's going to fool me and make me seem like an idiot. So one thing that I used to say, and I, I'm pretty sure this got me rebooked a bunch of times, was I would as soon as I started performing, I'd be like, I just want to tell everybody I'm not professing to be supernatural in any way. And the only reason that I do this and I want to show you these things is because I experienced them firsthand. And I experienced them to the point at which my brain exploded and it felt amazing. But the only way that you can get there is to understand that I'm not doing this for real. I'm only creating the illusion that this is real. And so therefore, if you want to relax and get into that point, you'll enjoy this. But as soon as you see it like a puzzle and you try and work it out, you're just going to have a bad time. And then immediately that prompts either questions or further conversation, which is fine. I love but that. it also means that you, then you're not professing to be this kind of like, you know, I'm going to make you seem like an idiot because I'm showing you a card trick. And then you can you can kind of, you know, just just play off of that. That's a yeah, problem like which I've had when I, I do restaurants um, and it's people go, oh, no, it's just a magician. And I think mm -hmm. it is because there's so much bad performance out there where people do make people feel a little bit silly and they don't understand that it's not about the tricks. It's about the experience and it's about the memories they take away. Um, so I, I love the fact that you've got a beautiful little line, which then just recaptivates people and makes them know that it is about the overall experience. Well, it's just one thing that is kind <laughs> of interesting based on that. I mean, obviously, at the minute, we're still talking from a magic perspective. And one of the big things about yeah, yeah, mentalism yeah. is that from a mentalist's angle, like we that we want people to believe that we have these abilities. We want people to believe that that we can do these things. Like, is that sort of crave for credibility? Do you think that's a a, a problem for mentalism to that sort of degree? Or is it? I don't know, because I mean, who's the best mentalism, mentalist of all time is Darren Brown. And he goes out <laughs> at the beginning of every show and says it's not real. So you're kind of like, you can take it anywhere you want, I think. And it depends on whether or not you want, again, like, you know, I think it maybe goes back to character. If your character is, this is absolutely real and what I'm doing is real and you should think it's real, then yes, like absolutely go down that route and you want to kind of create that credibility and you want to create that experience for your audience. I find the gray area way more interesting. It's like that black box, right? Um, like when a plane crashes, they all they know is that a plane crashed. They don't know how it crashed, right? So the plane crashing isn't inherently interesting, but what is interesting is how it crashed. And it's kind of the same, I always think, with magic. Like, if they understand the effect, but you're almost alluding to what's happening. Like, that's kind of, you know, you see a lot of people doing that now. I think this stems from Darren, but the idea of using that pseudo-psychological approach as a, as, as a like, a, a pseudo-explanation for what you're doing or, or using, like, uh, NLP or whatever it is that you're saying or professing to be doing. That's, that's more interesting than the method you're using, right? So, so even in that setting, you're saying, I'm not doing this for real, right? You're just, all, but, but all you're saying is that you're saying that you have means in which you can make it appear like you're doing the things that other people would profess to do. So I think that 
it depend I think it's really important to understand within your character what your what your statement is. Is your statement I'm absolutely doing this for real? In which case then you can do that across the board and you can apply that to all you do. Or is it you playing with this gray area? Or is it like saying it's absolutely not real, but I'm gonna give you the experience that it is. Like those are three distinctly different areas, but you can, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be one area, but you can draw from all of those different parts. That reminds me slightly of something when I was on um, Banachek's podcast a few years ago, and we was talking about a very similar thing. And he said, when I perform, I go out there and I say I'm real in terms of psychic stuff. But after speaking to Banachek, I, I took a leaf from his book and he said, the problem is if you go out and say you're real, if people catch you out, say, for example, you're not real in that moment, you're not doing an actual reading, you're using some sort of special stuff um, to gather some sort of information on them. If they catch that, then that's completely just ruined your everything you're doing. Like you can't come back from that. You can't change your character and like you can't return. So he was saying, don't set yourself up for failure. And it's something that I took. And although I pre present myself as real, I say to my audiences, what I do is a combination of, is, is based on my intuition, but I have a background in magic. So for example, I have a hobby in magic and then that then allows me to do a psychic routine, picking up on their relatives and stuff. But then I then go into card tricks and it, it fits my character perfectly. People then aren't trying to catch me out. And if people really dive into it, I, I, I try to avoid saying out and out I'm real unless it's, I just want to have fun. But it, yeah, is, of course. it is combining and saying, like, I've spoken to Aiden in the past, I do have a background in magic and I do have a hobby in magic. It's weird, like, being open about that, people then, like, believe me more in regards to what I'm doing. So they, they believe my performances and they go, oh, all right, cool, you're real. Like, it's, it's weird. Like, I've opened up. It? Yeah. It's honesty and vulnerability. It's that moment of saying you reduce your ego by saying it isn't real. So if you immediately go in and say, I'm not real, that aspect of them feeling as though they might be fooled is gone. Like you completely get rid of that and then they can just enjoy it for, for what it is. I think it's important, yeah, just to take it away from the actual trick and just make it about them. And then it's just about the experience, which I think is is the most important thing and like Colin Cloud says, what do you want to, what do you want your audiences to remember when they go away? What do you want their reviews to say? And I think that's when you start getting into that sort of mindset, um, then it mm. just helps your overall performance just grow. Yeah, absolutely. I, but I think you, you have to go through all of that nitty gritty, don't you, to then come out yeah. at the end with a much more like holistic uh, thing. I, I feel like I'm only, I've been in magic, what, like nearly approaching 10 years, approaching 10 years, I think like eight, nine, I've, I feel like I'm only just on the cusp of understanding what I actually want to do. Prior to this point, I probably thought I had an understanding of what I wanted to do or how to approach it. But I think now I'm only really starting to even just build small little bits onto the philosophy that I'm going to use for potentially a long period of time. And that will obviously ever be changing. But um, yeah, I think it just takes so long to get to that point and you have to really invest in it and really spend time kind of on that journey to get there. So it's, uh, I think, I think that's an incredible, like, that's almost like an end of life thing when you're performing, like to get to that point where you can go, what do you want your audience to think? Cause you can ask that at every stage throughout that process and you'll have a different answer.
so yeah, it's, it, but it's such an important question to ask. Uh, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, it kind of touches like I mean, episode three of our podcast was on the topic of, of why mentalism, and it was literally <laughs> drilling down. And again, you can apply the principles that we shared to magic or to or to, to literally anything. It is to really find that that purpose of of why are you doing this? Why are you passionate about this? Why are you interested yeah. in, in this thing? And and as soon as you know that then you kind of know your trajectory. But again, as you said, you can ask yourself at every, I mean, you can ask yourself twice, three to a hundred times in the same gig. And you're probably yeah. going to be at least think of multiple different answers. And yeah. I think it's something, it's, it's something that I would argue a lot of, uh, a lot of the magic mentalism, the whole world, the whole community, if you like, it, it's missing that level of extra thought. I mean, nowadays there seems to be a lot of pressure on what's the new coolest trick. How can we build the new gimmick? How can we how can we make something? I mean, don't get me wrong that that kind of area is really pushing the art forward in a in a like rapid ways. But it's if I feel like a lot of the industry has been lost to the to the commercial creativity rather than the pursuit of magic. Yeah. Um, I don't really know the point I was making there, but it, it kind of just <laughs> jumped to mind. It's like I, I just feel like I need to say this. Um, yeah, I think I, like, I, I, I kind of agree with you um, in that people focus on what's new and novel mm. and rather than on what they like, what they want to do. Yeah. Because it's far easier to go, that's new, that's exciting. Oh, I'm going to get really excited by that than to sit there and go, okay, so I liked this trick. Why don't I do that anymore? Why, why do I like doing that? What is it about that particular thing that I like? Is that giving the audience the experience I want them to? Is there a way that I do it that isn't as clever as fancy and as fancy, but is better for the audience? That's like a huge thing for me recently. I've been this sleight of hand nut for years, like a complete move monkey, dive really hard into like technical sleight of hand. And then it's only really recently that I went, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll, uh, invisible deck exists you know like it's that kind of a thing yeah. um, and I think you have to go through that trajectory to get to that final point but it's it's you know you have to you have to strip away everything that you thought and also your ego oh, I, I really want to put in a diagonal palm shift you know <laughs> like yeah. that kind of a thing even if you can do it incredibly well is there a way where you can be completely hands off instead and it's, you know, you have, but you have to take away like huge swaths of your ego. I do have to say that a lot of this thinking comes from the people that I'm hanging out with, which is oh, um, a guy called Alex, Alex Hansford and a guy called Brad Hodgins. And Brad, Brad has this uh, amazing philosophy where we go like really in depth on uh, stuff like, you know, oh, maybe you could think about it this way. And then immediately his response is just do the trick. You know, you just, just do the trick. It's quite a nice philosophy because I think you can get bogged down in the th like the like the kind of almost the unnecessary and unapplied theories of magic, and uh, instead it just kind of like gives you this streamlined process. But it also means like you know when you're in the middle of a trick, you'll 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 get in the middle and go, oh god, I why am I doing this? I should just yeah. be doing the trick. Which then you're applying it in a different context where it's just like oh god, you know. I'm doing doing five slides to get a card reversed in the deck when I could just be using an invisible deck or you know like yeah. why am I why am I doing this when the process could have been done so much earlier or whatever it is so 
yes yeah, I, I think but it's, it's all in that same vein of like you have to go through the journey to get to that kind of that point but yeah thinking on that deeper level will, will get you to that end goal i think uh, it's so weird it reminds me of when i was um back at the um the magic circle at the young magicians club and i remember when i was a young kid they were saying oh learn some proper tricks like the mentors there and one of them ended up who was saying it ended up working for dynamo and like he was saying learn some proper tricks don't rely on these gimmicks and i started it and then i've kind of gone full circle i started to do the magician's packet tricks and gimmicky stuff and then learning sleight of hand and now i've come back and now i go to magic conventions and i literally feel like out of place like i've said it to aiden so many times i know so few magic tricks and methods and what i do is simple and down to the core but when i perform to people i don't care about that i, I want to go for an emotional experience for them and for doing like the most simplistic things i've had some surreal moments i've had people come up to me half a year later and saying dude you changed my life i broke up with my wife and it was the best thing i've ever done like just from a simple trick like and i was like wow and like my biggest round of applauses which i'm getting from closing my um my theater shows are from exactly one well, of the theater shows my um my little uh, performances in the uh, in the bar i perform at i i end with an invisible deck and it's the i i would happily say it's the biggest round of applause you'll hear out of any magician in that bar and i finish with a damn invisible deck <laughs> but it just proves that yeah. the tricks don't matter it's just about the other other stuff but the i think the tricks do matter but well they do like what um, one of the other people we were speaking to it, as long as they're good they're good yeah. tricks yeah, yeah, but yeah, to yeah. a certain extent there's other things to to focus yeah. on absolutely absolutely uh, but like it's so it, here's here's some examples. Uh, Aiden just before he went to Blackpool with Christian came to uh, the flat that Christian and I both live in. Uh, I'm talking about Christian Grace here. Um, yeah. uh, for those who <laughs> those who are unaware, uh, Aiden came to the flat and I showed Aiden like uh, a bunch of card magic, and uh, Aiden Aiden was Aiden, Aiden appeared to be fooled by the majority of it, but all of the all of all of that stuff is either like self-working or like uses tools that he definitely knows or uses moves that he definitely knows or <laughs> all of those kinds of things that's where my magic is now here's, here's here's a good example that i've been using recently you fool lay people with methods but you fool magicians with process so if i hold my hand flat and i have a coin in my hand right and I just hold my other hand flat and I wave over the top and that coin vanishes, right? Could you tell me what I just did? Like from, like, could you tell me the method that I might use? With high, high likelihood, yeah. Yeah, like, so I, I, am I allowed to mention products? Oh, sure, yeah, 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 yeah of course. Yeah, yeah please do. So to this, this the, like, the, uh, using a flat hand across another flat hand would be a raven, right? It would be mm. the raven gimmick. Like that's, we, we, we could probably hazard a guess. However, if I reach down with a closed hand and I pick up a coin off of the table and I hold it up like the, like, you know, just kind of normally, and then I open my hand and it's gone, hmm. that could still be the raven. That could st still be the raven, True. but magicians will not recognize it as the raven. That, that is the only difference I've, I now have found between magicians and, and lay people is you, I perform pretty much exactly the same tricks to both. The only thing that I change is just the ever so slightly like subtleties or process 
to just cover my tracks a little bit or to make people think that I'm going in a certain direction, which I'm not. That's so that's that's the, that's literally the only difference I, I, I have found between like a lay person and a magician. You can show them the same tricks. They just need to like just have a little tiny tweak and then that's it. That's insane. That's, that's, that's again, I've never even considered that. But now you mention well, it's it, it's fine. like exactly. Fine, and, and just I, I do want to put it out there the way you described my my feeling of being somewhat full the slightly full nah i was blown away i have still got no idea on any of this stuff and i felt like crying in the moment because i was just so blown away but if it, if it really is like as you're saying like the simple simple and self-working like if you've really boiled it down to that well that's, I just think that's something... how you make it appear like you're doing this is like that you just you you yeah. you try and for like a lot of the tricks that I do, even if they involve some sleight of hand, the the final moments I want to be like this. Yeah. So so that's kind of how I approach it now is that I want to be either the the final effect is in the spectator's hand or uh, I'm far enough away from the deck that it feels as though I've never touched them or it feels as though I can't have any impact over the final reveal or whatever that is. The best example of that is um, the uh, oil and water I showed you, Aiden. Yes. Where, yeah. So um, yeah, he, like the, the deck goes, goes in their pocket for the final reveal. And it's, um, it's like, so you're miles away from everything, um, which is, yeah, that's that kind of a thing is just stuff that I've, you know, I've kind of tried to boil my magic that I do for magicians as well as the stuff that I do for lay people and kind of combine them. So actually, I'm sure if you just did the stuff that you were doing, but you just changed the process just slightly, you would probably find that all of the stuff that you do with the same presentations, everything would just work for magicians. We've kind of alluded to it at different points, but I kind of want to just throw it out there. Like what, what makes good magic? Like what is good magic? Like I know we've been speaking about different ideas and we've spoken about the idea that you, towards the end of the effect, like you want to be hands off or you want it to be clean or, or you want to be, uh, you want to be present in the, like what, I mean, we could talk about that in, in and of itself for yeah. hours. But. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I've been doing it eight years and I still don't know. I, I, people have been doing it for much longer and still don't know. But um, do you think it's maybe easier to answer what magic isn't? I, th I think, I think when I when what good magic is for for, for me at the moment is um, it isn't a visceral reaction, which is what a lot of close up magic is. Which is the card appears in your mouth. Oh, that's very startling. I better I better applaud. And then uh, actually, this this goes back to what we were saying before. But in the drive home, and they go, "Do you think he just put it in his mouth?" Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and if you if you can explain the method away that quickly. I'm not saying card to mouth isn't a great trick. It's a great trick. It's a really good trick. I'm just using it as an example to yeah, show this. Of course. And, and by the way, this theory is not mine in any way, shape or form. This is uh, uh, a thing uh, which is written about in Hector Chadwick's uh, book, Miscellanea. And uh, I believe it's called Audience 1, Audience 2 or Audience A, Audience B. And he talks about the uh, person being fooled in the moment and then going away and then being able to work out. But the best magic stands up to both of those it's where so uh just uh, this is, i'm trying not not to do this but uh aiden if you think about the the oil and water again 
right? Yes. And you think about the process in which that in, in which that happened. When you leave, the way in which that's done should hold up under scrutiny to the point at which you you cancel out methods in your own head as to how that could potentially be done. Any good magic doesn't just isn't just there in the moment, but stays with you after that point. So that when you're talking in the car home, you can you almost like talk your way out of all of the other methods. And then suddenly you're like, oh, my goodness, there's absolutely no way. And I mean, you know, like look at Darren's body of work, look at Williamson's body of work, look at Chankanasa's body of work, all of those things where, you know, you 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 know when you feel good magic, but then you also leave and then you go and you're still thinking about it and you're still thinking like, how how could that potentially even be there's no feasible solution to how that could potentially work and christian grace's material like when you when i saw level one for the first time that i i had i had no concept of how that could even work when christian showed me the 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 full routine uh for for switch one um a new product that he's going to be releasing is like both of those things i you know completely floored by and there's no feasible solution my my good friend ross taylor almost everything he shows me <laughs> that same thing you know brad or uh, um alex all of these people who do amazing magic the th one thing that i always think is that it sticks with you after when you when you leave you can't just explain it away in the you know like on the train home with your buddies i think that's as close to a description as to what good magic is i like that i've got i, I think that's real magic like tapping into that personally I just feel that's that's beautiful and it's taken it taking it beyond the trick and it's yeah I, I really want to see this oil and water now now that you've mentioned it i'm so keen to see no, it man. you don't you don't want to see it because you will literally have restless nights for weeks <laughs> i'm still crying about it <laughs> one thing i um i wanted to mention um when you mentioned it i kind of halfway through this um podcast as well was when you're saying about obviously yourself and your performance do you bring other skills in do you bring other interests into what you do like other hobbies and stuff probably but not consciously and definitely not in my patter so i mean I, I i played music from a fairly young age and i think a lot of the dexterity that i have for, with sleight of hand and stuff was developed within that world entirely um actually here's something that i absolutely do bring from other places is my approach to practice which has been completely and utterly defined by music and sports both of which i played to that like a, an okay standard i I've, I've, I've talked kind of like previously in other uh, places about this but i can i can talk about it for a little bit if you want as well Please now do. the way that i've approached practice is magic uh, tells you how to do stuff but not how to practice it at all. Particularly slights. Uh, routines is kind of like you just have to go through them with a repetitive action, but there are ways in which you can approach it that are cleverer than others and will make you more efficient. But slights in particular, which is where kind of, you know, my ex area of expertise is. And obviously this can be applied to anything from uh, nail writing to, uh, to you know, uh, uh, billet switches to anything, you know. I don't treat it as a repetitive action, like 10 minutes of practice where you are actively engaging in improving what you're doing 
is so much better than sitting in front of the TV for five hours doing the same thing over and over again. And the difference between the 10 minutes that you do in the five hours is astronomical. So the way that I kind of define those two things is one is fidgeting and then the other is actually practicing. And so you kind of have to think about it on that level, I think. And so the way that I approach practice is I, I videotape myself and then I problem solve based on that video. So I have an, an image in my head of what I want it to look like or what I want it to not look like, like not look like a move or to not look like a transition. And I want it to feel like it's just nothing, like I'm laying the cards down on the table or I'm passing the cards from hand to hand. Or, you know, if it's a billet switch, I'm just moving the billet just ever so slightly, Wh whatever it is. Uh, you have an image in your head and you film yourself and you have to change things, what you're doing to try and get closer to that. And you're going to constantly fail, constantly fail. But you'll know that each time you get closer to it, you'll be able to then just reiterate that. And that's been a huge thing for me uh, in magic because I uh, people told me that I had a, a pretty quick transition into kind of sleight of hand and, and, and my ability within that field. And I think it was it was only from my saxophone teacher uh, making sure that I broke certain bits of the song down and just improved on that particular section through the use of drills. Or it was my um, my uh, uh, basketball coach making us constantly do suicides if he saw if he saw us switching off for a moment. Okay, you you were an autopilot. Go and run laps. You know, it's that kind of that kind of training that just yeah. allows you to kind of really think about the way in which you approach practice. I think that's so, so valuable there. I mean, it's, it's something that gets said a lot. And I, th I think if you're looking at, again, it applies to sort of mentalism from a stage perspective as well, because yeah. it, it's, it's so vital to wherever you can. I mean, I've neglected it. It's something that I absolutely kick myself for, but there have been shows that I've done that I've, I've not put a, even just like my phone at the back of the room to film the show so i can watch it back and and again as you said be fully in that moment of thinking about it and, and rehearsing or practicing that that same bit and it's just so vital and and i think it often with mentalism especially it, it tends to get neglected partly because so much of what we do is based on an audience we, mm. we need we need people to be able to practice our, our material for, for a fair chunk of it especially when you look at the world of like propless mentalism and and psycho sure. psychological mental it, it just plays around with there but and i know ashley uses again you mentioned earlier that you've kind of got just a few methods that you use and you like you use them to the best of your ability so it'd be interesting like, how do you approach practice ashley i know this is Oh, cracky. Oh, yeah. oh God, I'm the worst one to, to do this. Well, I, this is, I know this, and this is kind of why I threw oh. the question at you. Well, when I want to do a new routine, I'm constantly running it through my head. And then I just, because the difficulty is for me, like I can't feel myself doing a reading by myself. I've got to get someone else there to practice my skills and picking up on mm -hmm. things and stuff. Um, so I literally go out and do it um but i've got a really weird memory like that so i always go away and i'm like what didn't i like what did i like and i'm constantly like analyzing it in my head um do you, do you write anything down or like make notes or is it literally just all no, it's just all up here my brain is a <laughs> 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 um yeah like i'm i constantly i i always 
pick up flaws like when i go to people and like i constantly just remember them so like i usually leave gigs and i was just like because oh, <laughs> i'm thinking of all the negatives <laughs> but i think it's just important to pick up on and it's through like literally just going out and doing the negatives doing like constant failure that i've been able to grow and be um and do a decent mentalism act at least hopefully i do <laughs> well by the um, amount if, of reviews you're getting it's by yeah. the amount of of glowing reviews that you've yeah. you're getting all the time from lay people like you must be doing something right <laughs> yeah i guess so but i haven't i haven't really um filmed much of my performances but it's just because the set i mean is is difficult for that like i used to do a lot of close-up and i've recently said to aiden that i want to move more into the stage area where like obviously like you were saying um, and my own thoughts on it in the past were like people were there to see you whereas at a close-up gig they're there to see the bride and groom and you're just another thing in the room and it's yeah. like yeah so that's that's where I uh, want to move into and it'd be a whole lot easier to film then just put GoPro up when I did uh, close-up stuff I don't know uh, how it is for you guys but I used to pitch the idea of um, of having a table and then setting up like with a yeah. table so then you have people actively choosing to come to you which was a nice thing uh jared jared Kopp, uh talks about this in his penguin lecture i don't know if you guys are fans of his i'm not he, he does he does mentalism like really good mentalism stuff and kind of does uh, mentalism with cards that's brilliant as well uh, but he talked about like being put on the menu at, uh, at restaurants as a way to get people to invite you over to the table which just changes that power dynamic setting up a table uh, for yourself and then um the other one is uh that uh is it secret room have you ever heard of about that I uh alan alan hudson alan hudson is a uk magician and he talks about um uh, setting up a uh, uh, talking to whoever whoever's like house party or event it is, and setting up a place or event um, that you can go to, like where it's a secret room and you tell people to not tell anybody about it, but just tell that tell people that it's good or if you enjoyed it that you enjoyed it, and then it kind of creates this air of mystique around that room, and then inevitably people say, oh my god, there's a magician in that room, or like, oh my goodness, there's a guy that's doing mind reading in that room, and then suddenly you know you get more people wanting to come see it but the only people that are coming to see it are people that want to see that kind of That's thing brilliant so really fantastic yeah those those are kinds of ways in which i've at least attempted to get around that initial like thing but then also you're in an environment where you can potentially film yourself as well so you yeah. can you can also you can also do that That's i think it's, it's something that i actually tried uh i've tried i've done that once with the whole idea with having a table uh, at a gig a close-up gig but i had a designated area it was mm. actually um it was actually for a peaky blinders uh themed nice. party which which was pretty damn cool but i literally yeah. i had an idea i i had a routine i was trying to think of material that i could do close up that like that was mentally that could apply to peaky blinders like i was i had this whole thing in my head and i ultimately i came down to a i, I boiled it down and i found something it's a version of um so it kind of like links to something that Darren's done because let's face it, Darren's done everything insane ever. Yeah, but he has he has literally done everything. I think at this point, yeah. uh, there's nothing he had. Like there isn't anything else. The, uh, the world no. of, of of both magic and mentalism, which Darren's 
successfully dabbled oh, across yeah. both. He's done everything. There's nothing left. There's no plots unless he... Even if you take it to the extreme, he's made people kill people. Like, <laughs> name anything he's done. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there a, a, a piece of Der either Darren's work or anybody's like in the world of mentalism that that's kind of stands out to you? Is there a, a piece that just really sticks in your mind? Um, like, like, is a really good, maybe even a really good example of just good mentalism? Yeah, man. Uh, there's like a few. Uh, but the one that immediately sprang into my mind, there's a guy called Mike uh, Peshota, who um, I've started getting like uh, people on Instagram are like, you're a fanboy. You're just like fanboy. Because <laughs> he's he's my favorite magician. He made me completely rethink the way that I did magic and approach it and everything. He's the resident bar magician at the Magic Castle. But um, he showed me this trick that I think he released on Penguin. Um, I can't remember the name of it that's terrible and he did this thing as like oh it's a throwaway thing that i sometimes do at, at gigs if, if i don't have anything else on me and then proceeded to do basically like a three-phase uh mind reading routine that just completely <laughs> blew my socks off um and in the moment i was just like yeah god that's yeah that's really good and it was one of those moments where it's so annoying when um you're kind of like reacting to something and then a magician is so eager to show you method and then you're just like, ah, oh, and then immediately shows you method and you're like, God damn it, I didn't want to know. Yeah. Or like whatever it was. But yeah, that that one in particular stood out to me. The 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 ones that the one that really got to me for a very long time was the one where he's sitting in the chair next to a psychologist mm. or a, and he does uh name disassociation. Yes. Just and like just nails every single every one. Just boom, boom. Oh. Boom, boom, boom. and then gets to the end and then just is like name a word and then just gets it bang on and those kinds of things where it looks like it's just there's no other conceivable way than he's just reading their mind is kind of like th those are the the bits that i really really enjoy a lot of his live stuff i'm massively a fan of i went and saw um i went and saw i think it was infamous i think it was infamous live and uh when he he did he does in that i think he does like a super reading so he just like stands somebody up and then just seems to know everything about their life even though they're randomly selected and just you know that kind of thing is just crazy i guess back to what we were saying earlier about that idea of of like good magic it's like when it's when you go away and you think about it and the only conceivable option and i think is like that that was real and i think for mentalism it's well, Darren's mastered it. He mastered it from day one, for God's sake. But it is it is being in that position where you you can tailor your performances to the point where your audience only think what you want them to think. Yeah. Without yeah. without ever guiding them overtly to that point. I think that's the that's that's the real sort of testament. I think there's also a massive difference between being really, really fooled by something and just kind of like like yeah. there's a different thing where you're like emotionally invested in something we have a joke like me and me and me and our friends will have a joke about uh potentially being like uh emotionally uh fooled as opposed to like um intellectually fooled like that's a good like difference in those things I yeah i mean good magic just it's like you're the ground's been taken out from underneath you 
and then you're like scrabbling up to try and cling on to any kind of semblance of method or any kind of semblance or anything else and then you kind of almost submit to it and then you get to the point where you don't want to know so much God. i mean i know that we've spoken so much about all areas of magic and that's been the focus we've really looked at magic because that's what that's what you do andrew that's your, your mm. complete specialty yeah, but it, yeah. there is so many lessons that i think that, that you've shared with us here that can be applied and extracted to, to mentalism in yeah. millions of ways and i think there's going to be so much god we're going to get a lot of a lot of keen keen ideas so where can people I, find I, you i think the best place is probably instagram so that's just slightly obsessed. So S L E I G H T uh, L Y <laughs> obsessed. Yeah. We'll put we'll put your links in the out, description. I was going to spell out the whole thing. Got halfway through, gave up. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that yeah. So so that's probably the best place. I'm pretty good at answering my direct messages, but uh, don't get too uh, upset if I don't. Um, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to take a break uh, from it because I got to that point where I was like looking at people's accounts that I respected and then getting disappointed that they didn't follow me. And then I was like, <laughs> you sad, sad man, <laughs> be eight years old and not, and, and that little follow button doesn't appear. You, you're a sad act. Like, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to separate myself from it for a, for a period of time. But, um, but yeah, uh, but um, I, I still, I still actively look at it because obviously, you want to see what the young guys are doing and then get sad about it as well so <laughs> so basically what we're saying here is go follow andrew on instagram and just <laughs> flood him with messages and constantly everybody don't follow him just just just, just be there and just show off and, and just find yeah, a way yeah. of making andrew feel upset as a way of saying thank you for all of the gold that he's just shared in the last hour yeah <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that we haven't really touched i don't know if we did but touch upon his creative process that was only if if if, if we had like kind of like five minutes i could just very quickly yeah I've, I've got do it. Do it, do it. i know that's something that we actually we actually said before we went live like we'd love to hear your creative process and then yeah. never spoke about <laughs> it um, my, my creative process is, is really easy i am not very creative like oh, i'll just say that outright i'm not i'm not very creative people like ollie mealing christian grace like all of those guys uh almost it's as though kind of like people get that well, people of that kind of standard get just a eureka moment and they, it just comes to them and then they just have this beautiful almost fully formed idea then they work at it and then suddenly it's this amazing thing i very much just struggle through like just iterative process I have no clever way of going about creativity in any way, shape or form. I kind of have like an idea of some description, like it would be really nice if I if I did a sympathetic card plot and then I just research, mine out methods and just try and find what I can, you know, seem is the is the best version of that effect. And I just draw upon as many different things as I can. Um, so yeah, my creative process is pretty, is pretty, uh, it's pretty boring in terms of like a response, but that's, that's the only way that I've found it that has worked is just to be as knowledgeable as you can about it, like in, in particularly specifically, and then also to just continually go at it, like just don't quit and don't second guess i think actually that's something that both magicians and mentalists do is they compromise way too early 
whether it be on performance, whether it be on, like you were saying, on, on the depth of thought, uh, whether it be on kind of like, oh, that's kind of good enough, like, and those kinds of things. But the really, the really top flight performers, they just don't stop. Like, it's a constant uh, kind of like mining of, uh, of improvement until they get to a point where kind of they seem head and shoulders above everybody else but really it's just you know constant improvement i just i, just, I feel like i've said i love that to every point you've made but i just love also love the way that was our oh, creative process yeah we'd love to hear your creative process eh, it's a bit dull and boring i just <laughs> find stuff and keep going like that's yeah. it but yeah i completely agree i completely I'm agree just, i'm pretty applied in my approach to everything i don't <laughs> don't really like the kind of the airy fairy approach if i can apply it then i use it and we'll talk about it but otherwise i i try and avoid saying stuff that i don't i don't actively use or or anything like that that's so interesting so interesting well thank you honestly so much for being on the podcast yeah, no problem. Um, i i've learned a lot i know aiden i'm looking at him he's been blown away he's learned a lot i'm sure everyone no matter their skill level has learned loads from this so Honestly, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non-creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called the Magician's Business Group and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside. So to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you straight there or just pull open Facebook and search for the Magician's Business Group. Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum, and we'll send you all of the details.